0: The Wind in the Willows by Kenneth Graham Chapter 3 The Wild Wood The Mole had long wanted to make the acquaintance of the badger. He seemed by all accounts to be such an important personage, though thoroughly rarely visible, to make his unseen influence felt by everyone about the place. But whenever the Mole mentioned his wish to the water rat, he always found himself put off. It's all right, the rat would say. Badger will turn up some day, or whatever. He's always turning up. And then I'll introduce you, best of fellows. You must not take him as you find him. But when you find him, couldn't you just ask him here for dinner or something, said the Mole? He wouldn't come, replied the rat simply. Badger hates society and invitations and dinner and all that sort of thing. Well, then, supposing we go and call on him, suggested the Mole. Oh, I'm sure he wouldn't like that at all, said the rat, quite alarmed. He is so very shy, he'd be sure to be offended. i never even venture to call on him at his own house for myself, though I had known him so well. Besides, he can't, a quite out of question, because he lives in the very middle of the wild wood. Well, supposing he does, said the Mole. You told me the wild wood was white, right, you know. Oh, I know, I know. So it is, replied the rat. Is is, is evasively, well, I think we wouldn't, we won't go there just now. Not just yet. It's a long way. He wouldn't, he wouldn't be at home this time of year anyway. How, at yeah, time of year anyhow, he'd be coming along some day if you wait quietly. the Mole had to be content with this, but the badger never came along, and every day brought its amusements if not until summer was long over the cold and frost of miry airways kept them much indoors the swollen river race passed outside their windows A range of speed that mopped the boating and his sort of kind he found his thoughts dwelling again with much, much persistence on a solitary grey badger who lived his own life by himself in his home in the middle of the wild wood in winter time the rat slept a great deal, retiring early and raising late. During his short day he sometimes scribbled poetry, but did other small domestic jobs about the house. Of course there were always animal droppings and dropping in for a chap. Concrete certainly was a good deal to storytelling telling, and comparing notes on the past summer and all its doings. Such a rich chap chapter had been, when one came to look back at, on it all, illustrations so numerous and so v- very highly coloured. The pageant of Riverbank a march steadily long, unfolding itself in the pit- scene pictures that succeeded each other in state of possession. Purple, loose strife arrived early, shaking lustrant, tangled locks among the I- edge of the mirror, whence its own f- of old face laughed back at it, Willowed, herb tender, Wistful like a pink sunset cloud, but not slow to was not, was not slow to follow, comfrey of purple, hand in hand with white, crept forth to make its place in the line, line and At last, one morning, the diff, diffident and lame dog rose, stepped evidently on the stage, and on one knew, as if string music announced it. The stately cause that strayed in the guttavati, as strewn at last, was here. One member of the company was still waited, a shepherd boy for the nymphs to woo, a knight for whom the ladies waited a the window, a prince that was to kiss the sleeping summer back to life and love. a when Meadows, sweet, debonair with odious and odious in an amber jerk, moved graciously to his place in the group. When the play would be ready to begin, and what a play had been drowsy animals snug their holes would wind. While wind and rain were battering at their doors, record still keen mornings, an hour before sunrise, when the white mist as yet undispersed clung closely among the surface of the water, then a shock of the early plunge, a scamp along the bank radiant transformation of earth, air and water, when sunny the sun was with them again, and grey was gold and colour was born, sprang out the earth once more. They called the languished celestial of hot midsummer day, deep in green under roof, the sun striking through its tail, golden shafts of spots of boating and bathing of the afternoon, and rambles along dusty lanes, through yellow cornfields, a long, cool evening at last, where so many threads were gathered up so many friendships rounded, and so many adventures planned for the morrow. There was plenty to talk about on the, those short winter days when animals found themselves round the fire. Still, the mole had a good deal of spare time on his hands, and so one afternoon, when he wrapped his armchair before the blaze, was dozing and trying other rhymes that wouldn't fit, he formed the resolution to go out by himself, explore. The wild wood, and perhaps strike up acquaintance with Mr Badger. is cold still afternoon, a hard stilly sky overhead. When well, he slipped out the warm parlour into the open air, the country lay bare and entirely leafless. Around him he thought he never seen so far so intermittently into the inside of things as on that winter day when nature was deep their um, annual slumber and seem to have kicked the clones off corpses, dwells, quarries, and all hidden places which are mysterious um, which, which have been mysterious mines for explanation and leafy summer now exposed themselves their secrets per- 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 perfect and seemed to ask him to overlook the shadowy property for a while, till so they could rot right in such in rich masquerade before and trick and entice him. They all decep with the old deceptions. It was pitiful in a way, it cheering, he was exhilarating. He was glad he was, he had liked the country undercorated hard and stripped of its finery. He it had gone down to the bare bones of it, and they were they were fine, strong and simple. He did not want the at warm glover clover, a play of seeding grasses. Seeds are the quickest the billowing drapery of beach and elm seemed best away with great cheerfulness A spirit he pushed on onwards and wild wood, which lay before him low and threatening like a black reef, who still sound in the sea. There was nothing to alarm him at first entry. Twigs crackled under his feet, logs tripped at him. Funguses on stumps resembled caricatures. I started him for the moment a likeness to something familiar and far away. And that was all fun and exciting. Led him on. He penetrated to where the light was less. The trees crouched nearer and nearer. Holes made ugly mouths at him on either side. Everything was, was very still, low. Everything was very still now. The dusk advanced on him steadily, rapidly, gathering him behind. And for Light seemed to be draining away, like the flood water. Then the faces began. It was over his shoulder, distinctly, that he first thought he saw a face, a little evil wedge-shaped face, looked at him from a the hole. Then he turned and confronted it. The thing had vanished. He quickened his pace, telling himself cheerfully not to begin imagining things, or be, there would be simply no end of it. He Passed another hole another, and another, another and then yes no yes suddenly a little narrow face hard eyes had flashed up for an instant from a home and was gone hesitated braces out braces himself for an effort and strode on and suddenly he had been so all the time every hole far and near there were hundreds of them seemed to possess its face coming and going rapidly all fixing on him Glances of malice and hatred, all hard-eyed at evil, sharp. Could only get away from the holes and banks. He thought there'd be no more faces, swung off the path, plunged in the untrodden places of the wood. Then the whistling again, very faint and shrill it was, far behind him. When first he heard it, as somehow it made him hurry forward. Then, still very faint and shrill, he sounded far ahead of him. And made him hesitate, want to go back. He held it in indecision. It broke out on either side, and seemed to be, to be caught up, and passed on throughout the whole length of the wood, to its furthest limit. They were up and alert and already evidently wherever they were. And he was alone, unarmed, and, and far from any help. The night was closing in. Then the pattering began. He thought it was only falling leaves at first was so slight delicate was the sound of it then as he grew he took a regular rhythm he knew it was nothing else but pit pit pat no fate still a very long way off was it in front or behind it seemed to be first one then the other then both it grew and it multiplied till from every quarter as he listened anxiously lean this way and that it seemed to be closing in on him as he stood still to hearken, a rabbit came running hard towards him through the trees. He waited, expecting to slacken pace, or oh, to swerve him, or oh, to search, swerve him into a different direction, different course. Instead, the animal almost brushed him on its dash past his face, set and hard his eyes, but staring. Get out of this! You fool, get out. Moulton heard him mutter as he swung round as a stump to spear down a friendly barrow. The powder increased till it sounded like a sudden hole. Hell on a dry leaf carpet Spread around him. A whole wood seemed. Running now, running hard, hunting, chasing, closing around. Something or oh, somebody. The panic began to run too. aimlessly. he knew not whither. He ran up against things, fell over things, into things, things, under things, dodged round things. At last he took refuge in a deep black hollow of an old beech tree, which offered shelter, concealment, perhaps even safety. Who could tell? Anyhow, he was too tired to run any further. He could only snuggle down into dry leaves, which had drifted into the hollow. I hope you' safe for time, as he lay there panting and trembling, listened to whistlings and patterings outside. knew at last is all its fullness, that dread thing which ev- which other little dwellers in the field had and encountered here, and known as the, at their darkest moment, the thing which Rat had vainly tried to shut him from, the terror of the woodland, wild wood. Meanwhile, t- a time of wet, warm and comfortable, dozed by the fire's fireside. Paper of half finished verses slipped from his knee. His head fell back, his mouth opened. He wandered by the vermin banks of the d- green rivers. Then a coal slipped. Fire cracked and set up a spurt of flame. He woke with a start, memory what he had been gazed upon. He reached down to the floor for his verses, poured over them for a minute, then Looked round for the mole to ask him. He knew a good rhyme or something or the other, but mole was not there. He listened for a time. House seemed very quiet. Then he called Molly several times, and receiving no answer, got up and went out into the hall. Mole's cap was missing from its accustomed peg. His foot, which were always laid by the umbrella stand, were also gone. Rat left the house, covered his the muddy surface of ground and upside hoping. Animal old the tracks, there they were, sure enough, Lodges were new just brought for this winter, and pimples on their soles were fresh and sharp. You could see the imprints on them, the mud running along straight and purposeful, leading direct to the wild wood. The rat looked very grave and stood in a deep thought for a minute or two. Then he re-entered the warehouse, strapped the belt round his waist, shoved a race of pistols into it took up a stout cold drill and tur stood in the corner of, of the hearth. Set stood in the corner of the hall, set off for the worldward at a smart pace. But he gained towards dusk when he reached the first fringe of the trees, plunged without hesitation into wood, looking anxiously either side for any sign of his friend. Here and there wicked little faces popped out of the holes, and vanished immediately the sight of the, the Valorous animal with his pistols and a great ugly cauldron, his grass, a whistling and pattering which he had heard quite plainly, his first century died away and ceased. All was very still. He made his way manfully through the length of the wood to its furthest edge, then forsaking all paths, he set himself to traverse it laboriously, walking over the whole ground, all the time calling out chiefly, "Molly, Molly, where are you? It's me, it's old rat. He patiently hunted through the wood for an hour or more. When at last, his joy, he heard as a low little whistling cry. Guiding himself by the sound, made his way for the divering darkness to the foot of the old beech tree, a hole in it. And from out of the hole came a feeble voice saying, "Ratty, is that you? Really, you?" The rat crept, not hollow where he found the mole, exhausted, still trembling. "Oh, Ratty!" Right, he cried. i been so frightened. Can..." I can't You can't think. Oh, I quite understand, said the rat, certainly, You shouldn't really have gone and done it. Well, I did my best to keep you from it. We, weather bankers, we hardly ever come here ourselves. We have to come. We come in couples at least. We generally, then we generally all right. Besides, there are a hundred things one has to know, which we understand, which we understand all about. You don't as yet. I mean, passwords and signs and sayings, which have power and effect, and plants can, you can carry in your pocket, verses you can peek, and dodges and tricks you practice, all oh, simple enough when you know them. Oh that you've got to be known, you're small, or you'll find yourself in trouble. Of course, if you were Badger or Otter, it would be quite another matter. Surely the brave Mr. Thode won't find mine coming here by himself, would he? Quite a mole. Oh, Toad, said the rat, laughily, heartily, laughing heartily. He wouldn't show his face here alone, not for a whole hatful golden blaze. Toad wouldn't. The mole was cheekly cheered by the sound of rat's cheerless, careless laughter, as well as by the sight of his, his stick, the gleaming pistols. He stopped shivering and began to feel bolder and more himself again. Now then, said the rat presently, we really must pull ourselves together. Make a start for home. Well, there's still a little light left. It will never do to spend the night here. You know, understand? Too cold for one thing. Dear Ratty, said, "The mole, poor mole. I am dreadfully sorry, but I'm simply dead beat, and that's a solid fact. You must let me rest here a while longer. I will get my strength back if I know, if I know to get home at all." Oh, all right," said a good-natured Rat. "Rest anyway. It's pretty near pitch dark now, anyway. Anyhow." It ought to be a bit of moon later. So Mole got up well into dry leaves and stretched himself up and pretty dropped off into sleep for a broken troubled of salt. But the rat covered himself to best he might for warmth and lay patiently waiting for the pistol with a pistol in his paw. When last Mole woke up, such refre- much refreshed, the usual spirits rat said, Now then, all right, I'll just take a little outside and see if it's, if it's quiet. Then we really must be off. He went to the entrance whole oh, their treat and put out his head out. Then the mole heard him saying quite himself, Hello there, here's a go. What's up, Rat? said Osmole. Snow is up, replied Rat briefly. Oh rather down. It's something hard. The mole came and crouched beside him, and looking out saw the wood it had been as dreadful to him in quite a strange to him in a quite a changed aspect holes, burrows, poles, pitfalls, and other black menaces to wafer vanishing fast, and gleaming carpet fairy was spinning out everywhere. It looked too delicate to be trodden upon by rough feet. A fine power filled the air, a crest on cheek with a tingle in its touch. The black hulk balls of the trees showed up in the light, seemed to come from below well well it can't be helped said the rat after pondering we must have to we have, we have to make a start and take our chance i suppose the worst of it i don't really i don't exactly know where we are and now this snow makes everything look so very different it did indeed no I would never have known that it was the same wood however he set up bravely took the line seemed most promising holding on each other and pretending invisible as uh, they recognized an old friend, every fresh tree they, they grimly suddenly greeted him, A saw another opening grapes, gaps of paths within a turn in them. The of white space and black tree trunks refused to vary. A hour till later they had lost all count of time. He pulled up dispirited, weary and hopelessly, as see and sat down on fallen tree trunk. They recovered their breath and would consider what was to be done. They were aching with fatigue and bruised the tumbles. They had fallen into several holes, got f- wet through, the snow was getting so deep they could hardly drag their little legs through it. The trees were thicker and more like each other than ever. It seemed to be no end of this wood, no beginning, no difference in it, and of all, no way out. We can't just sit here very can't sit here very long," said rat. "We shall have to make another push for it. We do something or other. The cold is too awful for anything, and snow will soon be too deep for us to wade through." Peered about him and said, "Look here," he went on. "This is what occurs to me. There's a sort of dell down there in front of us, where the ground seems all illy and unpey and ochamucky. Uk- we'll make our way down into that." trying to find some sort of shelter, hard cave and long dry old floor to it, out to the snow and the wind. There be, we have we have a good rest before we try again. We're both, it was pretty dead beat. Besides, the snow may leave off, or it may turn up. So more once more, they got to their feet and struggled down the under the well. Where they hunted about for cave. Some, or some corner with dry with protection from the keen wind and rim, wearing snow. Investigating one of the hillock bits Rat had spoken of, a sunny mole tripped up, fell forward in his face of a squirrel Oh, my leg, he cried. Oh, my poor shin. He went up to the s- of the snow, nursed his leg in both his palms, both his front paws. Poor old mole, said Rat kindly. Don't seem to be having such luck on of the day, do you? Let's have a look at your leg. Yes, he went on, coming down on the knees to look. you will cut your skin, shin, sure enough. Wait till I get you an ink I'll tie it up for you. I must have tripped over the hidden branch of the stump, said Mum with me. Oh, my, oh, my. It's very clean cut, said the rat, it's spleening it's, again atten- attentively. It are never made done by a stump, branch, or stump. Also if you made by a sharp edge or something metal. Funny, pointed to a lot of while examining about humps and slopes that surrounded them. Well I'm never mind with that, done it said the Mole, forgetting his grandma pain. Yeah You know you never mind that what's done it. That's what's done it, said the Mole, forgetting his grandmother pain. It hurts the same, whatever it whatever done it. Rat, after carefully trying up the leg, his handkerchief, left him as busy scraping as snow. He scratched and shovelled and explored, all four legs working busily. while mole waited patiently, remarking at intervals, "Oh come on, rat!" Suddenly, the rat cried, "Hurrah!" Then, "Hurrah! Hurrah!" and felt it scoop, executing a feeble jig in the snow. "What well, have you found, rat?" he started, "Asked mole. Still listening. Come and see," said the rat as he jigged on. Oh, hold up. "Well, well, I'll do that." The spartans had a good look. "Well," he said that last, seeing slowly, "I see right enough." See the same sort of thing before lots of times. The object, I call it, door-screeper. Well, what of it? <coughs> Why dance jigs around a door-screeper? You, you don't want to see what it really means, do it? Means, you dull-witted animal? Cried the rat impatiently. Of course I see what it means, replied the mole. Means, it means that some very careless, forgetful person has left his door scraper." Lying about the middle of the wild wood, just where sure to be tripping everyone up. Very thoughtless of him, I call it. When I get home, I shall go and complain about it to someone or another. See if I don't. Oh dear, oh dear, cried the marked rat, bearing his obtuseness. Here, stop arguing and come and scrape. And he set off work again and made the snow fly all directions round him. After some further toil, his efforts were rewarded. Very shabby doormat lay its boast about you. That's what I. There, nah, there, nah, what did I tell you? exclaimed the rat in great triumph. I've seen nothing whatsoever, replied the mole, perfect root truthfulness. Well, now, he went on, you have seem to have found another piece of rustic litter. Done, done for the thrown away, I suppose. You're perfectly happy. Better go on ahead and dance your jig round, you've got to, and get it over, and then perhaps we can go on, not waste any more time over rubbish heaps can we eat the doormat or sleep on the doormat or sit on the doormat and sledge homer under the over the snow on it you're and rodent do you mean to say replied you say rat is that this doormat doesn't tell you anything really rat said the mole quite per- previously i think we'd enough of this folly whatever you heard of the doormat telling anyone anything stay so me with not they simply don't do it. They're not that sort of. They're not that sort of old dormits. Know their place. Now look here, you, you, you thick any beast? Cried the rat, really angry. This must stop. Not another word. Not scrape, not scrap, scrape and scratch and dig and hunt around, especially on the sides of the hammocks. You want to stay dry and warm tonight? It's our last chance. The rat attacked a small bank beside them. Rather. Pubbing with his cudgel everywhere, then digging the fury, and Mole scraped busily too. while well, Mole to obliged the rack than any other reason. But his opinion was his friend was getting light headed. About ten minutes of the hard work, a point of rock's cuddle struck something that sounded hollow. It worked till he could find a could till he could get a pull through and feel. Then came Mole to come and help him. Hard as it would it went the two animals till last result of their labours stood full in view of the astonished and hippoto his mole. Inside of what seemed to be a snow bank stood a solid looking little door painted of growing dark green. Irondale well, pull how my side blow on it on a small brass plate, lately engraved in a square capital letters, they could find they could read by the eye of the moonlight, Mr Badger. Merle fell backwards and snow from sheer surprise of light. Rat, he cried in penitence. You're a wonder, a real wonder, that's what you are. I see it all now, you argued it out. Step by step is that wise head of yours from your very moment. I fell and cut my shin. You looked at the cut and once over, majestic mind said to itself, door scraper. Then you turned it and found a very door scraper. That did it, done it. You st- but did you stop there? No, some people would have been quite satisfied. But you, intelligent intellect, went on to working. Let me only let me only just find a doormat, says you to yourself. My fury is proved. And of course you found your doormat. You're so clever, I believe you. You can find anything you liked. Now says you, the door exists as plain as if I or it. Nothing else remains to be done but to find it. Well, I read about that sort of thing in books, but I never come across it before in real life. You ought to go where you'll be properly appreciated. It's simply wasted here among the mass fellows. If only I had your head, away. Right? But as, as you haven't, interrupted the rat, quite rather well become kindly, I suppose you're going to sit on the snow all night and talk. Get on a, up at once and hang on to that hard bell, Paul. You see? there and bring hard as hard as you can while well, i am a while the rat attacked the door with his stick mo sprang up at the bell pole that's it swung there both feet well off the ground and from being a quite long way off they could faintly hear a deep toned bell respond